Hey, we're back uh, this and every Saturday having great conversations about the moment we're in, the mission we're on, and how we might show and share the love of Jesus in these challenging times. And a lot of this has to do with Christian living. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like in a technological age today. And uh, it's interesting how technology has become such a defining part of our lives. We we can think about how those little devices in our hands, which are so ubiquitous, are 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 just defining in so many ways. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a new book by my friend Andy Crouch. It's called The Life We're Looking For, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. We actually got a few copies we're going to give away to some of our amazing callers with amazing questions or comments. Uh, Andy Crouch is a partner for theology and culture at Praxis. His writing explores faith, culture, and the image of God in the domains of technology, power, leadership, and the arts. Matter of fact, I should tell you that I recently taught a class on leadership and relied heavily on Andy's writings on issues of power and more. But he's written several books, including this one, The Life We're Looking For, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. He serves on the boards of Fuller Seminary, University, and uh, also as advisor to the Repentance Project, the Repelican Project, and Revoice, and more. Lots of things going on in Andy Crouch's life. And so, Andy, thanks for taking the time to join us here on Ed Stetzer Live. Thank you, Ed. It is truly a pleasure to be with you again. Well, we've done these conversations different times, different ways. Right at the, early in the pandemic, we had a conversation about uh, about <laughs> yes, your thoughts did. about that. And, I, and that was interesting. I think that was our, this was in the podcast. And uh, right. those of you who follow the radio show know I also have the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. And you were the first podcast we did. And the first time you talked about this as well. And uh, super helpful for a lot of people in that conversation. Um, the space you're in is fascinating to me because, you know, I... I, uh, I actually subscribe to a magazine you started a long time ago, Regeneration Quarterly. Uh, and based on our conversation, it appears that about eight of us subscribe to that magazine. I, uh, it was great. I was just going to say you are was... the faithful 20. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's 20. I, exactly. My, fa- my favorite book, I wrote a book called Subversive Kingdom. And it's my favorite book I wrote, and I think like my mom and four other people actually read it. But anyway, that's okay. Sometimes our favorite thing. But then I knew you're Christian today. We spoke at Catalyst together. I think between us, a guy jumped yeah. from 50 feet into eight inches of water. So we got enough weirdness in the journey. Um, but but your writings on technology have really uh, been helpful. And I really want to commend, again, the life we're oh. looking for, reclaiming relationship in a technological world. Uh, and so let's talk some about this, right? So, because, I mean, we've always had tools, right? I just, I literally, I'm, if, if I sound a little jet lagged, it's because yesterday, uh, <laughs> last night I slept on my bed. The night, the night before, I slept in Jerusalem and, and flew across the world, spoke at a wonderful inauguration for the new president at Lancaster Bible College, and then flew home. And um, we went back really long times in Jer- Jerusalem and you know different places we visited. Yeah. And technology is a defining part of that characteristic. We actually date archaeological digs based on the technology found at different levels. So people have been technologying my, my term, for a long, <laughs> long time. So what's, how's that different today? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yes, great question. Uh, we have always had tools. It is like essential to being human, I think, to make tools because it's part of our calling, actually, as human beings, to transform the world, ideally in, in the image of God in beneficial ways. Um, but we did invent this word technology more recently um, than, you know, we've always had words for tools, but we haven't always had this word technology. And I think the reason we came up with a new word and feel like we have a new thing or a new set of things in our world 
is that we now have a kind of tool that that actually disengages us from the world while giving us more power than we had before. So it's this increase, uh, dramatic increase in power. So I'm presuming you flew from all these places that I you did. mentioned. Yeah. So incredible amounts of literal energy were expended. Also just incredibly fast travel in a way that no one could have imagined. But the interesting thing is if if 100 years ago you told me you had been to Jerusalem, <laughs> I would know that you perhaps had traveled on a ship uh, maybe overland, you know, maybe horse, uh, horse or something like that. And those forms of travel would have been far more engaging of us as persons than airplane travel. <laughs> airplane travel, mm -hmm. we look for distractions. We look for something to do because there's very little to do unless you're the pilot. And, and the sort of distinctive thing about technology is that it's given us way more power than our ancestors had, even our grandparents had. But it actually asks less of us as heart, soul, mind, strength kind of individuals than we ever had to expend. So it's this weird combination. It's what I sometimes think of it as effortless power is where technology mm. wants to go. And that's what's different. And that's also what's dangerous, because I don't think it's necessarily good for human beings to have effortless power. And I think we sometimes miss out on the best of what we're made for um, when when we rely too heavily on this new world of effortless power. Yeah, it, it is interesting because, you know, I, I had never I'm not a frequent Israel traveler. Of course, I guess not a lot of people travel the last couple of years. And uh, so 20, my, my daughter was just born 20. She's 23, mm. 24. And uh, so 20, when, 21 years ago, we left first the first trip. We left her with her grandparents and we traveled to mm. Israel. And what's fascinating is how jarring the difference was, and almost all of it was related to technology. So now I took a group of students from Wheaton College. They all had a text group. They all had international texting plan. <laughs> Cell phones didn't, I mean, maybe they existed, but I didn't have, they did exist, but yeah, I didn't have right, one. Right. Um, and, uh, and, you know, here we are, are just texting, going from place to place. If we get separated, you get separated 21 years ago in the old city of Jerusalem, who knows, we're going to see you again <laughs> here. It's like Google maps, you find your way. So, I mean, it was a defining part of an ancient trip was technology today. So it's fascinating oh, wow. how that's become so overwhelming. Um, do you see this is a net neutral, net positive, net negative. How do you perceive technology? Because, you know, part we could hear the life you're always looking for, we could join the, the hermits of the third century, disconnect from all these things and just abandon it all. Is it good? Is it bad? How should we view it? I think I would say it is way less net good than we think or than we imagine, especially when we are thinking about whether to get the next thing. I don't, I do, I believe technology is good. Uh, so uh, in fact, I would say very good um, in the sense that when God had uh, finished the work of creation and the image bearers were in the world, God says now the world, God has been saying all along, it's good, uh, but now it's very good. And I think technology is part of the very goodness of human culture. So my bias is to say technology is very good. And then my bias for any new innovation is there's probably some aspect of very goodness in this. Um, and, you know, I think maybe not getting entirely lost in the old city uh, because you have GPS is not all bad. <laughs> yeah. What I worry about is that we we breeze past some of the trade-offs that we're making um, in terms of what our experience of the world is like, especially what our experience of other persons is like, 
Because if you had gotten lost in the old city um, 20 years ago, and that is certainly possible to do so, I understand. I haven't been to Jerusalem, but I remember traveling to Greece and specifically being on Patmos, the island where John wrote Revelation in the 1990s uh, with no cell phones, no nothing. <laughs> there were pay phones. Um, and, and I remember thinking, I am totally alone here. Like no one in the world knows where I am. Um, well, what would have happened if I had gotten lost? Uh, I would have had to depend on other people. Uh, I would have I would have to depend perhaps on people who didn't speak my language, people who maybe weren't kin to me in any way, had no need to help me. And I might actually discover, as we discover over and over when we're in situations of great vulnerability, that in fact, like people come through and God comes through. Um, and and on the other hand, if I'm always in settings where I feel like I've, I'm in control, I know where I am, I know how to get out. That actually could have the unintended consequence of making me less resilient, more afraid of getting out of control. What would happen if I lost access to these things? Who would I trust? And part of the corrosion of our relationships at a kind of societal level, I think, is partly because we um, are so used to being in control <laughs> and our devices mm -hmm. give us all of these affordances, we call them in the design world, um, that we forget that actually we would be okay. If we did that third century thing, we imagine it now and just think that would be horrible. But in fact, people bore witness in the third century that God showed up in really amazing ways when you went into the desert without food. And I seem to remember someone else did that and found both great temptation, but also incredible provision. And what are we missing out on when we can always just hit DoorDash and get the food? <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm, it's true. In other words, it's the trade-offs are steeper. Yeah. The, the trade-offs are steeper than we imagine. And that just means that we have to decide when we're going to use these things and when we're not, because we don't want to miss out on the things we'll learn about the world and ourselves if we're always plugged in. We'll miss out on something important. Yeah, no, so good. I, I think, you know, again, usually I'm not being a very good interview, Randy, because I, I have been having some conversations about this and in, in just in lieu of us, I knew you were coming on. And when we were in Rome um, for this class, we did Rome, Athens, and in Israel, um, I actually talked about, and I, I wrote about this in Christians in the Age of Outrage, and my last overshare here, but is, and then I'll just primarily ask questions, but the um, oh, so you know, Romans had, 2,000 years ago, the Romans had hot and cold running water in the villas of the rich. And uh, people are sometimes surprised by that, but you can go, we walk through the technology and I actually showed the students, of course, the way everyone knows the Roman roads, but the Roman pipes were, were, I mean, just changed so much. I mean, the aqueducts themselves, oh, yeah. we know, Super of, but the, impressive. the, the pipes themselves. So they had hot and cold running water. Of course, it was slaves who would heat the water and it would come in and they found a metal that they really uh, were able to bend. It was what they call malleable or moldable, and and that metal yeah. was um, it was just it was just transformative. They made cups out of it and plates out of it, and then their pipes out of it, and it was it was a technological marvel. They were drinking from these goblets made of this malleable, moldable metal, and and so it was an amazing technology, but it was also lead. And the technology just one was small just, just that problem. The technology was was feeding them, literally feeding them and yeah. killing them at the same time. And so and so what I kind of wrote about in, in Christian's Age of Outrage is that I think that our social media technology, I didn't write on technology per se, but on the social media application. I want to continue our conversation with you about this and technology in general. I want to invite our callers as well, 877 
548-3675. Is technology feeding us and killing us at the same time? Is it a marvel and a nuisance simultaneously? Let's join the conversation. 877-548-3675. We're talking to Andy Crouch with your calls in just a moment. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com. Hey, we're back. We're talking to Andy Crouch, particularly about his new book, The Life We're Looking for, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. I, I will tell you that as I look over the books that Andy has written, I'm just reflecting on how many times I've interacted with his writing, uh, The TechWise Family, something we read as, uh, as, as a family and discussed with our kids. Uh, I, I can see uh, Playing God, Redeeming the Gift of Power, I use regularly when I teach class, uh, culture making, lots of Andy Crouch influence in a lot of places and spaces. And so we're thankful that he'd join us today on Ed Stetzer Live. All of the information about him is linked at edstetzerlive.com, including a uh, link to the life we're looking for. Also, we're taking your calls. We're going to give away a few copies to callers of his book uh, and our phone number. We're talking about technology. Again, how do we reclaim relationship in this technological world, right? So technology may be the uh, challenge where we begin, relationship be the goal where we're headed. And we want to take your calls as well, 877-548-3675. So, so Andy, in part, you know, I, just before the break, I, I talked some about my own uh, maybe the last few years, just increasingly seeing as social media has become so toxic and more um, that, you know, maybe this is feeding us and killing us at the same time, like like those lead pipes did. I, I see uh, depression <laughs> in young uh, young people. I see, you know, I see we see division and vitriol. And I, Rick Warren once said to me something. He said, it's not that there's more angry people out there or more whatever people out there. It's just they're able to find each, each other now through technology. Um <laughs> So, so I mean, again, talk to us about how we walk this line. Again, the book's the life we're looking for, reclaiming relationship in technological world. Give us some ideas of what that might look like. Yeah, I think um, technology makes everything easier. Uh, there's this yeah. scene in uh, the uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader where they come on this island where all dreams come true, and the the folks on the boat are like, "Well, that sounds amazing. The dreams will come true. I, you know, I've always dreamed of meeting Sally again or whatever." But then they realize, no, all the dreams. <laughs> So mm. it doesn't just make the good dreams come true. It makes the nightmares come true and they start rowing frantically to get away. And uh, this is very, I think, I think this actually applies to many, many kinds of technology, but, but we are seeing it very acutely in social media because social media makes, um, it makes connection with people much easier, but that means really bad actors can be connected as well as good actors. And it does not necessarily connect us at our best and it does not help us become our best. So it connects us in, in some ways I think about social media, especially the algorithm uh, driven stuff. That is the algorithms that observe your behavior. They actually observe your impulses. They don't observe 
you at your most mature, you at your most reflective, at your most contemplative, your most prayerful, they observe you in that moment before you even know what you're choosing. And you're just drawn to something. And it turns out what people are drawn to above all is outrage. There's negative emotion is the most powerful source of engagement. And, uh, and then the algorithm optimizes for that. So we need to introduce some space between our uh, acquisition of this effortless power and our use of it. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. I mean, one is simply by having a rhythm of Sabbath in our lives. And, you know, in the TechWise family, I wrote about like, have one hour a day for your whole household, parents and kids, if you have parents and kids at home, like everybody sets this stuff aside and you take a break from it and the algorithm is not observing you and you're doing things that that will actually develop you as a person rather than just sort of activate your reaction. And then you do that a day a week. And if you have a whole day a week that's disengaged, something happens in your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then our family takes a couple of weeks a year where we basically mm -hmm. anything that has an off switch, we turn it off. So that's one angle is like have an actual rhythm of use um, so that the, so I'm not caught in this feedback loop that that these devices are designed to measure me at my worst and, and feed me what I want at my worst. And then I also think we have to just be very intentional. Like when I pick up my phone, am I picking it up just for the sake of distraction uh, in a moment that could be prayer or could be contemplation or could be conversation? Or am I picking it up to actually offer something that I've prepared to offer the world? Does that make sense? Like rather than just, gosh, I wonder what's going to happen when I pick this up. I think it's very dangerous to mindlessly engage with this stuff. But if we engage mindfully and heartfully and soulfully and strengthfully, then it, it, it can be very good. We can bring good things into the world. You know, I, I think I've said enough nice things about you when I can also say you're really terrible at social media. And um, you <laughs> probably know this already. I but break all the rules. I break yeah, all you're the really rules. not good at it. You're really not good. You're, you, follow, you follow one person on Twitter, Augustine of Hip Hop. And, um, and, you know, and, and, you know, it's and so so. So and I wonder if in part uh one of the reasons you're good at writing books is you're so terrible at social media um <laughs> because it seems that there's not a lot of space where people excel in both um it 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 seems that so much of technology uh, it it shortens our attention span it it distracts us it it uh it causes us to move away from thinking deeper things am I am I crazy or is that a reality I don't think you're crazy I think um I I actually maybe think I should be more terrible at social media. <laughs> I'm not. I'm maybe yeah. not very good at. It's, it, would, it would be hard it to get. It would be hard to get worse. It would be hard to get worse for you. So just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thirty four thousand people want me to tweet. I just don't tweet very often, and I don't tweet very it's, tweet it's true. tweetable things. It's it's true. It's true. Uh, so yeah, it's I. But but you know, you're speaking about the way I kind of present myself. I'm not maybe yeah. maximizing that, but I'm afraid I maximize the consumption more than, you know, you don't see that side. We don't see each other's consumption uh, habits. Right, right. And I worry right. that Good my point. consumption habits prevent me from reading more deeply, um, mm -hmm. being more quiet, uh, being more careful in how I'm thinking about things, being more attentive. 
And it, it, the problem is that our technology, uh, there's a great line from a, a Christian theologian named Craig Kay, who teaches at Regent College, and he, he wrote a great book about technology a few years ago. He says, the problem is none of this is really designed us to help us, designed to help us flourish in our ordinary embodied human existence. <laughs> it's designed to speed us up faster than the speed we should naturally be traveling, um, get our emotions and our brains in some ways hyped up beyond what where they're actually capable of integrating. And none of this stuff is designed to help us become a flourishing human being. Now, a flourishing human being can use it really effectively, like truly well and truly for good. But the problem is the more time you spend using it, the less you're likely to be the kind of person who has something to offer there, right? Yeah, so yeah, this is the yeah. this is why we need these kind of rhythms and attentiveness um, because otherwise we we start to dwindle. And you know, Mark Zuckerberg had this dream of connecting people and, and, and connecting people is not all wrong, but the question is, who are you connecting? What kinds of persons are you connecting? And until we're formed as people who actually are capable of love, you don't want to be connected to me. <laughs> like it would be right. dangerous to be connected to an undeveloped, uh, underdeveloped dwindling person. And that's of course what, so a lot of our media, not just social uh, starts to shape us into. So we've got to be very, very careful, I would say. Yeah, so I, so I think that you're an example for me. I don't do that well. I'm, you know, I, I tend to be very active on social media. I, 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 I tend to be good in some ways at social media, and that actually causes me to yeah. be less effective in some of the areas. And I'm really just sensing that. I'm actually – that's one of the reasons I was excited about having this conversation. So this is like Ed Stetzer mm -hmm. getting counsel from Andy Crouch, and the rest of you get to listen in. <laughs> to that because because i think a lot of people are like me i mean it's you know i tweet i mean i probably tweet more than most people but i'll tweet 10 times a day um i i have buffer that sort of times it out um there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there has to be fed and in doing so <laughs> there's there's trade-offs that i'm thinking maybe i don't want to really make that 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 trade-off so what are some of the things that you would point us to this is again looking again at the title of the book, so just everyone's aware the yeah. life we're looking for, reclaiming relationship and technological world. So, what should I and our listeners who are maybe very tech savvy and very tech driven, what should we be looking for that we're not getting that technology has not provided for us? Well, I, you know, I don't know you super well, Ed, but I don't actually feel like you're you're uh, the worst case scenario, because I actually think you're <laughs> investing your life, for example, I mean, ultimately, the question is, where are you investing your deepest energy, you know, yeah. and social media invites us to invest our deepest energy there. But in fact, you, you know, you're taking you have actual students that you're investing in, you gather people yeah. in person, um, you, you care about those people, you, uh, you are, you're a parent, you're, and, and you're, I'm, I am pretty confident, actually, that you are putting a lot of those things at least very close to first. <laughs> um, now, I think what we all sense is the temptation to let, you know, the thing about all technology is it's it's kind of instantly rewarding in a way that the real world is not. And mm. mediated relationships are rewarding in a way that unmediated relationships are not. So the question we all need to ask ourselves is, am I getting addicted to the quick rewards of mediation rather than the deep rewards of personal relationship? And if I am building my life mostly on, and if I'm kind of getting my most satisfaction and putting most of my energy in 
to you know real people who who don't just click a like button but who raise an eyebrow when you say something or who push back or who get angry and walk out of the room because all these things happen in real relationships um uh if i'm staying in those places i'm actually not too worried about you know the fact that one also tweets x number of times a day but on yeah. the other hand if if we find our energy shifting and we also start to avoid the real through the virtual then we're really in trouble and then and mm -hmm. the people around us the people most dependent on us for love will let us know if we'll listen um and uh and that's why having a time when you turn it all off is really helpful because during that time you have to kind of detox and and you find out from the people around you how am i doing at actually loving you and caring for you so good so good you can tell by your listeners can tell that i'm a, I'm a fan of andy's writing and i want to encourage you to engage with his newest book the life we're looking for reclaiming relationship in a technological world uh we're just a moment we're going to take calls and i want to invite you there's several we're going to go to the lines in just a minute but also want to invite others to call in maybe you have questions about this use of technology how to how to flourish and thrive relationally how how where might technology even assist with that how how might it help with that our, our number to call is 877-548-3675 uh, we're going to go just a moment to keith and we're going to go to tony we have other callers as well again 877-548-3675 got about 30 seconds and it just kind of shares what's on the other side what might be some ways we can begin to think differently about technology to thrive relationally. About 30 seconds, Andy. I would say we need fewer devices and more instruments. So devices are things that just kind of displace and replace human beings. They work on their own. But instruments, if you think about medical instruments, surgical instruments, um, musical instruments, they actually involve human beings in the world. And we just need to turn our technology from devices into instruments, and we'll be doing a lot better. I love that. That's a key thesis we're going to talk more about in just a moment as well. Let me remind you, we're taking your calls, 877-548-3675. Let's talk about how we can thrive relationally, even in the midst of a world that's deeply driven by technology. Your calls, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back and we're talking about relationships and technology. I do want to point out the bit of the irony that we're doing this on a radio program that airs coast to coast and also is a downloadable podcast at Ed Stetzer Live. So uh, we obviously are not against technology, but we want to talk about what this might look like if we steward this well. We're going to take some calls. We're going to go first to Keith in Waterloo, Iowa. Keith, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Uh, I was listening to you the first time the, listening to AM station out here. I'm a truck driver on the road. I'm a believer for a long time. I've, I've been thinking about what you're discussing there. I, I see, uh, what do you think of this? I, I see a positive and a negative. The positive is getting the message out in evangelism. Mm -hmm. People will, will hear the message clearly with all the technology that's there. If you're familiar with the 1040 window of evangelism, that was like 20 or 30 years ago. Look how that's multiplied now. And uh, Christian radio and satellite and everything else. People have the yeah, opportunity, sure. unlimited. But the distraction is with when they're uh, on their cell phone or when they're doing something else, they're distracted from 
hearing the message. <laughs> There's two sides to it, you know. But That's for sure. That's sure. The, great... the opportunity, yeah, go, go, if, go, if, you're in, mm-hmm. if you're in solitude, uh, like Jeremiah or like Jesus, you have more opportunities to be closer to God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So and Keith, let me right. just say that I, I love that as a truck driver, you, first of all, thank you for calling in. We're going to give you a copy of Andy's book. But I can't imagine that you would want to thrive in that kind of role without technology. I bet he's listened listen to this radio program. He's listened to other tools as well. But I love the framing of positive and negative and specifically solitude yeah. away from tech gets us closer to the Lord. Reflect on both of those, Andy. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It also struck me uh, as a truck driver, as anyone who drives, uh, you know how distraction from cell phones in particular uh, probably makes it a lot less safe to do what you do. So we see a lot of people who should be paying attention to one thing and they're diverted to many other things. And I do think this question of attention is really important because um, on the one hand, yes, the message can get out there in new ways. And it is amazing that that, um, the message of the gospel can reach people circumventing borders and even government the government attempts to intercept you know the message uh and and i would have to think that that's a good thing um but of course that message is being kind of streamed at the same time it's again it's made everything easier and so every every message is out there including very damaging messages one thing that i would note is the uh, it's interesting that Jesus didn't use even the technologies available to him at the time, mo- hmm. most notably writing. Jesus never wrote anything down. As far as we know, there's one time when he seems to write on the ground, but we don't know what he wrote and uh, that it's not recorded. And then, of course, people say, well, but his disciples wrote and they did. They wrote it down and they wrote letters. But a very interesting thing about the way the church used that medium, you could say that technology of writing, is they always sent it with a person. (laughs) So the message alone um, was not not optimal for the the first Christians. It was not optimal to just send off a letter or to send a a disembodied message. We we know, for example, who carried the letter uh, to the Romans, to Rome. It was Phoebe. She's named in Romans 16 as the person who's going to bring it to Rome, bring Paul's greetings to Rome. And the letter was important using that technology of writing, but so was the person. And I think technology is best when it is connected to personal relationship. And I don't know that the message alone um, gets very far without the person. If if the message alone could get there, God would have just sent his word and wouldn't have bothered with the word made flesh. Uh, instead, the word becomes flesh. And probably that's a kind of pattern for how we should think about our technology. It should also always accompany and never run ahead of relationship, at least not for very long. Hmm. I wish that were I wish that were true because it often doesn't seem to be the case. Let's go to Tony, <laughs> just just not. just down yeah. the street from me in West Chicago. Tony, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Okay, hello. Um, yeah, so very interesting um, subject. Um, just sparked um, some thoughts I'd like to share. Um, Please, first of all, uh, concern. Absolutely concerned about the use of cell phones, um, how we see that breaking up families, um, how we Mm -hmm. see that uh, preventing youth from learning how to create friendships and maintain friendships and so on. Um, But uh, and of course, we see technology used in so many very evil ways. Uh, We we look at pornography now readily available on your Mm -hmm. cell phone and so on. However, 
Um, we also, I think, as has been mentioned, we need to recognize that what's happening in terms of using satellite TV uh, to bring Christian uh, TV into the Middle East is now causing the absolute tidal wave of Muslims coming to Christ. And um, it's, uh, they do, of course, have call-in um, you know, people who are um, uh, connecting with those who actually are responding. Um, so there is a, a personal as, af, you know, aspect to this. Um, and we see, too, that, for instance, the, apparently one of the fastest-growing churches in, in the world is in Iran, <laughs> because um, the, 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 the long arm of satellite TV has been reaching into Iran and causing tens of thousands to turn to Christ. And we also, I, I just heard recently, a fabulous, incredibly interesting um, story about um, a man who, during COVID, who was an evangelist, couldn't, couldn't practice his evangelism, outreaches as usual. So he was led by the Lord to start doing short bites on TikTok um, social media, <laughs> which we know. Of course, TikTok is one of the most deadly social media platforms. However, um, and it's also being monitored by obviously monitored by the, uh, the, <laughs> the Chinese, Chinese Communist Party. It is owned by the Chinese um, government. However, That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so now it's interesting that the, the, the Chinese Communist Party that's monitoring TikTok is now getting the gospel in these soundbites. Oh, yeah, yeah. So powerful. <laughs> so that's powerful. Funny. And this, this fellow is reporting hundreds and hundreds of young people, Generation Z people, you know, get responding to this, this uh, incredible use of technology. So basically, uh, my heart is, look, we need to be wise, surely, in how to use the things around us in any form, and certainly in technology use. We that's need so to have discernment. Time. And so on. So now that's just my 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 uh, you know comment. Well, that's a great comment. Tony. Let me tell you, to Andy Crouch, I have the most amazing callers here at Ed's Desert Life. No, Tony, Tony, what a great, what a great, what great insight as well. But if I, you'll stay on the line, Tony, we're going to give you a copy of Andy's book. But but reflect on that too. But also too, I want you to talk some about uh, the redemptive moves you talk about in the book. You already mentioned one of them, but how can we? Yeah. I mean, Tony's comments super helpful about how to be able to use it, use it wisely. But you actually have some redemptive moves that can help us reclaim that relationship rightly. So reflect on his comment and then share about those redemptive moves. Yeah, I mean, incredibly uh, cogent thoughts there and, and uh, super interesting. And I do want to point out that we often jump right to the content uh, or the message that we imagine technology can convey, whether good or bad, uh, you know, especially with media. Media obviously exists to deliver messages of different kinds. And so we think, well, bad messages are being delivered, but also good messages. I do think we need to pay a little more attention or be careful to pay attention to something that Tony actually mentioned at the very beginning, which is that these devices themselves have not necessarily been good for family and for friendship. Um, mm -hmm. That is, whatever message comes across, you, you are, you're choosing to route your relationships, you could say, through a screen. Um, which is not necessarily good. I, you know, one of the most consequential decisions that Apple made when it, at the dawn of the smartphone was to create this thing called the iPhone. <laughs> and the mm -hmm. I, I think, first of all, kind of stood for internet, but it, it sort of also is about I as in me. It's a personal device, or really it's an individual device. Persons are relational beings. We're made for relationship. 
but this wasn't designed to be shared. I remember we had to, uh, we had <laughs> we convinced our very small children for a while that our iPod, one of the early iPods that we bought was actually called a Wii pod. We said, we don't want, we don't, this is not going to be an individual listening device. It's a family. It's we're going to use it as a family. It's a Wii pod, not an iPod. Um, and the problem is the design is all to isolate us. It's it, because uh, if you have four people in a family, like our family with our two kids, uh, you can sell four of them rather than one. You can only sell one Wii pod to a family. You can sell four iPods. <laughs> so there's no mystery as to why the technology companies create these things that are very individual, individual and individualized. But that's not necessarily good for a family to have everybody plugged into their own separate set of headphones. It's much better if you're going to listen to recorded music to do it together. Um, same thing with friendship for kids. Like th this stuff does not make real friendship easier. It makes mm -hmm. communication easier, uh, a kind of communication. But it, but real friendship is uh, involves a lot of forgiveness, involves a lot of patience, involves a lot of listening. And not all of that is facilitated by text messages or Snapchat or whatever. So we, uh, to go back to the, the idea of redemptive moves, there are some things we can do that make a difference. And one is to decide I'm never going to use this to make my life easier in a way that just disengages me. I'm always going to use it uh, to express kind of heart, soul, mind, strength, engagement with the world. And that's what I talk about is the shift, the shift from devices to instruments. I'm always going to, when I pick up my phone, I'm going to pick it up like I would pick up a musical instrument. Like what song do I want to sing here? Um, rather than just what can I, how can I be entertained? How can I be distracted? How can I feel a little less bored? There are other things though, Ed, and you know, the book is is both about technology and relationship because uh, there are some technological things we can change how we use the devices but we also need to rebuild the kind of architecture of our lives and so another move i talk about in the book is rebuilding what the ancient world and some parts of the world today would call the household the household is mm -hmm. something bigger than just nuclear families something bigger than the reality for many many people in the united states and the west is they live actually alone a lot a lot of people live alone at different times and in the ancient world and in many parts of the world today, no one would live that way. They lived in these extended families that often would include people who weren't even um, biologically related. That was certainly true, um, uh, you know, for the early church. You would meet in, the, in a home where there would be a mother and a father, probably, and maybe some biological children. But there might also be extended family that would be commercial relationships, sort of business partners would be part of the household. And then the church became a household. And we need a much richer kind of relational environment than we've built in our highly technological world. And that was a, a problem long before the screens came along. That was a, created by cars, that was created by industrialization. And I really think we need to rethink like moving from very individual lives to household lives is as important as anything we do or don't do with our devices. Yeah, so good, so good. We're gonna continue our conversation with Andy Crouch. We have one more segment actually with your calls as well. 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. We're talking about his new book, The Life We're Looking For, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. One more chance. We're going to call in 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. We're 
talking to Andy Crouch. We're talking about his new book, The Life We're Looking for, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World. We're going to take one or two more calls, 877-548-3675. Just before we get there, though, let me remind our callers we're coming up to the end of the program, so we do need to be brief. And I've got one question before we go to the calls. Uh, Andy, you talk about um, redesigning our imagination, uh, moving from being charmed Mm -hmm. to seeking to be blessed. Uh, I see blessed on social media a lot. So what do you mean moving from being charmed to be blessed? (laughs) Yes, blessed. Uh, Hashtag blessed. I think it doesn't mean what we often think it means. I think actually it should mostly be hashtag charmed uh, because Mm -hmm. charmed is a kind of a magical word uh, that my life just has been kind of ridiculously fortunate. And that is what we would love to have that kind of life, but it's not what we ought to be aiming for. And I think a lot of what has gone wrong in technology is we want technology to kind of charm our lives. And I would, I would describe charmed as kind of magical ease, like things just went really well without my having to try very hard. And that is so different from the biblical idea of blessing. Um, you know, the, the maybe most notable example of blessing in the Bible, uh, early on, at least in, in Genesis, when Jacob meets the angel, I guess God in a way, wrestles all night. At the end, he's like, I'm not going to let go unless you bless me. Then the, the, the guy or God or whoever it is dis- dislocates his hip. He walks with a limp the rest of his life. And yet he's also had this profound encounter with God through suffering. And the Christian vision for our lives is not to be charmed. It's not for our lives to be easier than or to be easy in a way that we would like them to be. It's to find the gift on the other side of suffering. And technology is all designed to relieve us of burdens. And I don't want people burdened with things that are kind of meaningless suffering. But there's some suffering that's just part of being human. And there are limits that are part of being human. And it's actually as we live with those things that we discover how deeply God is for us. So ultimately, I kind of the last next to last chapter in the book says, you know, ultimately to get on the other side of technology in a way that's healthy is to stop seeking for your life to be charmed and instead embrace uh, the quest for a life that is blessed, um, which is going to be a very different looking life and might not look quite as good on Instagram, but will be so much better for us as people and for us as uh, uh, people in relationship with other people. Yeah, I think people sort of know that, but they're drawn to that. You actually refer, you say at one point, that technology promises us superpowers. Well, why wouldn't it be good for yeah. us to have superpowers? That well, seems like why a good not thing. have superpowers? Yeah, I want to. I want to fly. I want to, you know, do those things. <laughs> but we fly, right? We do fly, and we know mm. our lives aren't that much better. I mean, it's wonderful that we're able to go places. I was on a plane this morning, coming back from a very meaningful time with some friends, uh, but. Uh, it, it hasn't sort of revolutionized our lives in the way that we imagined before before it came along. It, we still need something deeper and better than we're ever going to get. No matter what dream of magic or superpowers, I promise you, once you actually get it, you'll realize, oh, it's not all bad, but it's not what I most need. And that that's what I'm really worried is that we've devoted so much energy to getting these superpowers that ultimately they come at pretty high cost in various ways. They cause us to diminish in certain ways. And in any case, they just aren't necessary for the deepest life. So we have to keep our priorities in place. That's maybe part of what this book is trying to do. Just give us a desire for the life that we really want, which will not be provided by any number of superpowers and certainly is not a charmed life. It's a blessed life. 
good deal. Let's go to, we got just a brief comment, but Linda, we're going to go live to you. You're live on the air. Linda, In uh, I think you're in Cleveland area. Go ahead. I am. Thank you so much, gentlemen. To, to be brief, the outcome that I'm going to offer for our time together right now is that the relationship with, and I'm going to use my 16-year-old granddaughter as an example, So imagine if, and she's long distance, I said to her in line with what you're offering, that we want to build connection that is not, that that really needs to be uh, personal, interpersonal. If I say to her, I want you to listen to the Ed uh, Stencil show today, or I want you to read four paragraphs of Gary Chapman's book about digital connection. And the outcome of those is it's specific and clear, and there would be a reward. And the reward could be mm. much like you would give a chore. I'll pay you $10 if we, for this time and attention. <laughs> and, and as grandma, I would like you to write five things that, that speak out to you. So yeah. I don't get too wordy, sir. What do you think about that idea? No, that's good. That's good, Linda. Hold, hold on, too. We're going to give you a copy of Andy's book. But, I mean, the intentionality there really sounds good. So talk to us a little about that, Andy. Uh, well, I, the only thing I would say is I bet your granddaughter doesn't actually need $10. I bet just the connection, the love, knowing that you're actually paying attention, that you found something you think would be meaningful for her and that you're going to listen to what she has to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you have to put the 10 bucks in. I mean, you could, you know, slip her $10 anyway. But to, for, for listening to that's your life, it might be worth $10 just to <laughs> well, know, listen I, to the I program. Mean, to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that's great though. Yeah. I mean the intentionality and the relationship that's there. So we got yeah. about a minute left and and talk to me about how you'd push us towards relationship. About a minute left to exhort us towards that through and with technology. Well, maybe I could put it this way. You know, we sometimes hear people talk about digital natives. It's this idea that, you know, the new generation, they just come into the world, they they figure these things out really fast. Uh, the rest of us are you know, awkward and with devices, but the, they're digital natives. And I just want to remind everybody, there's no such thing as a digital native. No one comes into the world looking for a screen. We all came into the world looking for a face. Uh, the moment we were born, our eyes were primed, our brain and the whole brain body system was looking for another face, this beautiful phrase from Kurt Thompson, someone, look, we were looking for someone who was looking for us. That is still what everyone wants. Your 16-year-old granddaughter wants that. Your six-year-old wants that. Your 60-year-old wants that. And we need to be above all the people that the face that other people find when they're looking for someone who's looking for them. Love it. What a helpful program today. If you enjoyed this program, let me encourage you always to subscribe to the podcast. You can listen there whenever you want to. And also, too, you might want to share this program with somebody else. Go to edstetzerlive.com. You can actually share this with your family, friends, and others. As always, super thankful for Andy Crouch and his writing. Uh, this Today, we're talking about the life we're looking for, reclaiming relationship in a technological world. I'm struck by that line. No one comes into the world looking for a screen. We come looking for a face. Let me thank my team, as always, uh, Trish McMillan, who's sitting in for my producer, uh, Karen Hendren, my engineer, Courtney Young, and Eric Tidwell. On, actually, Amy Lee's on the phones today. Eric's not here, but Amy Lee's doing a great job on the phones as well. Remember, listen to this program again. You'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. And remember that Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.